Welcome back to episode well, six. Yeah, it's six. I didn't think we'd make it this far. I'll be honest. Yeah, episode six of Bored to, to Death. Death. I'm Bill. And I'm Haley. And this is a podcast where we talk about games, card games, board games, tabletop games, tabletop miniature games. Top, 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 top. And uh, at the end of the episode, my wife Haley regales us with a little murder. A little sprinkle of murder. A little sprinkle of murder. Today is going to be a large um dump of murder because i'm going to be talking about the candy man he is a canned man another serial killer but a much more prolific serial killer and he's actually shown up in popular culture a few times um even on uh i'll get into it later but we're going to talk about the candy man a serial killer right here in houston texas yeah who's buried actually a few blocks from a us. few blocks from us right now he's he's buried in deer park texas yeah so yeah so let's talk about our game for the evening yeah so um tonight we're going to talk about ticket to ride Yay! which last episode we talked a little bit about gateway games and like whether or not we thought sellers of Catan was a gateway game and while i i still stand by my statement it's not really a gateway game uh, per se I want to retract myself a little bit because it the Sellers of Catan is really actually easy to learn. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a little, it's not as easy to learn as some of the other ones that are out there that are just as fun, if not more so. And I think Ticket to Ride is, outside of Dominion, like my my one of my top two, like this is a gateway game. Like this is oh, fun for- even from, more so yeah, than Dominion. Like from five-year-olds through, through grannies, yep. you know? so um even easier than dominion for sure like we've played this game with people who've really never played board games before yeah and they get it very quickly and have a great time yeah it's a really fun game yeah absolutely i mean like i actually lugged it all the way to bahrain whenever i went on navy orders to bahrain god (laughs) i brought that you know your game (laughs) how you can tell you're a gaming nerd yeah, I had I had one suitcase with my 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 uniforms, my workout stuff, all that stuff. Your under your yeah. underwears. And then my other suitcase, I had it was just games, oh like my God. Ticket to Ride, Dominion, like my painting kit for like my little nerdy miniatures and stuff. And how many of those games did you actually play? We played all of them. All of them. Yeah, we actually played all of them. Impressive. I yeah, did not at least expect once. that. Yeah, we played Dominion a few times. We only played Ticket to Ride once just because it took forever. But um, See, seems worth it. Bit. Seems worth it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, what's like lugging? All right. So here's the thing about travel. All right. Oh. It's going to be a little little tirade. Like, okay, like, oh, my God, you packed like a million suitcases. Okay. Yeah. But it's not like I'm carrying this thing on the flight and it's with me the entire time. Right. You still have to like be responsible for it in a foreign country. Yeah. Sure. From like the ho- from the airport to the hotel. Eh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so like, eh. who cares? So I brought a crap ton of games. Long story short. Um, and they, Jeff and Chelsea really, really liked it. Chelsea really liked it. Yeah. Um, no, I have to tell you, I, 
I think that Ticket to Ride is much more geared towards beginning new age board game players, right? Because yeah. it's almost it's a great gateway game, yeah. right? Like it almost reminds me of like um I want to say shoots and ladders. No, you're absolutely right. Like the artwork's a little like cartoony, yeah. a little bit. Um, the mechanics are it's you still kind of go around a board in a ways to That's like keep true. track of the yeah. points. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the basic rules, yeah. Bill? So Ticket to Ride is a game where every person takes it on themselves to be a conductor of sorts, and there is a board at least the the base version of the game, and there's a bunch of different expansions to it, but the base version is there's a a, a map of the United States and all the cities, little dots of the major cities in the U.S. and the parts of southern Canada, and the objective is to score as many victory points as you possibly can. Well, routes. Victory points, because there's there's a few different ways to get get them, but the the primary way is to get specific routes. Yes. Right. Um, so a player, the, every, every each person has forty eight little train cars tokens, little plastic pieces, and you can do one of like four things on your turn. Um, everyone starts backing up. Everyone gets a de- three destination tickets. So by the end of the game, they have to connect certain cities by claiming routes along the way. And if they don't, then they actually get, if they have like one route left in their hand by whoever, like the end of the turn or the end of the game, then those actually, the victory point conditions for that card actually count against them. So for example, if I wanted to connect Pittsburgh to New York, that route may cause or may be worth five victory points. If I'm unable to do that at the end of the game, rather than it being worth five victory points uh, because it's unclaimed and it's in my hand, I actually get five victory points deducted from my total score. So you have to get your pieces on that particular route from Pittsburgh to New York, right? In a number of different ways. Like there's usually more than one way to skin a cat, more than one way to connect a route. Right. It doesn't have to be a direct Pittsburgh to New York. It can go from New York down to Atlanta, back up to New York or something, right? Because it's still technically connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the the whole objective, as we said, is to score victory points. You do it by claiming routes. Uh, Each time you claim a route, uh, when you lay down your little train tracks, each route has a different length, so one uh, length between like Pittsburgh and I don't know, call it Gettysburg, um, something it's short like that. It's probably just from Pittsburgh to Philly. Yeah, would be like one vic- one victory point because there's only one train car that you can place. Right. Um, two vic- two train cars, two train lengths is like three points, etc. Kind of scaling up. And then you have a piece <clears throat> that goes around the perimeter of the board that keeps track of those victory points. Correct. So the, mo- the longer the route, the more victory points it's worth. And also, as you are placing these or connecting these routes, you're slowly working your way towards these destination tickets, kind of like your end goal um, tickets that score you the most victory points that we talked about, where if it's still in your hand, you get those points deducted from you. And um, <clears throat> there are two types of routes. There are routes that are in gray, meaning that it doesn't really matter what color of train has to be placed there it could be any color or some of these routes have specific train colors and there are six colors i think there's like pink black blue red orange yellow oh no white it's like and a green. turquoisey one yeah that, that's, that's the blue the one, one. that's the blue one and then there's also a wild there's a rainbow color train car thing um 
It's like a free-for-all. Yeah. So you can do one of four things in your turn. You can claim a route. You could instead gra take from the pile of train track cars, um, little deck thing, uh, take two of them. Or you could take one from like a little pile that's out in the open, uh, moving your way along. Or you could exchange your destination tickets. So you could discard one of your destination tickets like, hey, you know what? My San Francisco to New York City route is just not, it's killing me. Uh, it's out. not panning out. I'm going to discard that one, and I'm going to just blindly draw from the destination ticket pile and see what I get. Because um, you're going to lose those points if you don't fulfill that route. Exactly. So there's like a little bit of nuance, a little bit of strategy to it. And the way that you kind of make your way around the map doesn't really matter. I mean, because at the end of the day, the more routes you claim, the more points you get, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the most frustrating and fun thing about this game is whenever... You know, you're like on like a really long like transcontinental track, right? And you've been building up to this. You're going to from New York get, to LA. To LA, and it's worth like thirty or forty victory points, whatever. And then you get there, you're almost there. You're in like I don't know Mexico, New Mexico or something, and you only have one way to get there, and someone else claims that. Yeah, that, that sucks. line. Yeah, to really screw you, and that's going to set you back like several turns. <laughs> that absolutely blows. But um. So that's one of your your critiques. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's not really a critique about the yeah. game. That's just like you know. Yeah, just in that general. That sucks when that happens. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I mean that that's the game in a nutshell. Uh, backing up here a little bit. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight, Bill, Lilt. I am drinking Lilt. 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 Uh, it's called Lilt Cellars. There's a cute little. What are these called on the label? Harmonophone. I don't know. Harmonophone. I have no idea. It's like the old timey record player record thing. player with the giant horn. horn on it. I can't. It's like a homophone or a phone. Yeah. Something phone. Phone a harm. Re Recordophone. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but it's from California and it's a Merlot and I do not hate it. It's well, pretty good. good. And especially considering I'm actually keeping it down is a giant plus because yesterday, Bill. Um, as you well know, I ingested some rancid almond milk, which you learn new things every day. I did not know almond milk could even go bad. It does. I and guess. Well, now I know. I know that for sure. Because now you know. The more you know, rainbow star. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been pretty sick over the past 24 hours. But you're keeping it down. I'm keeping it down, That's and um, I actually felt yeah. like having a glass of wine, and yeah. now I'm on my second, so... Oh! And we're doing good. Oh! Yeah, so it's pretty good. What are you drinking, Bill? I am drinking... Aldi's. Winking Owl, an Aldi brand, and <laughs> it is $3 for a bottle. You wouldn't let me drink it, because it's... No, I don't want you up-chucking it. It's, uh, <laughs> it, is, it is mighty tasty. And it goes down smooth, and I have zero complaints. All these great, fantastic brand. It's delicious. Yeah, Bill loves Aldi. He gets I do. The really deals, excited. Deals, deals, deals. That's deals how I feel. But beat. that's how I feel about Costco. Like yeah. I wanted to go to Costco this weekend, and you were like, "I don't want to go yeah, anywhere." Cause, yeah, because we don't need three dozen muffins. Like no <laughs> one needs three dozen muffins. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh like here's like here's no, we, we tried to do that tell them that story like we went to, no yeah to like I, I yeah i brought like i was checking out while you were wrangling rowan and, and you then, bought it was like eight muffins it was huge, eight muffins huge muffins yeah and i went to check out and it was an error and the lady was like oh it's because that you have to buy two of them I'm like 
What? So you have to buy like 16 I giant to buy 16 ass- muffins? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're like 300 calories each. Like <laughs> They're like a meal all yeah. by themselves. What am I, feeding the Houston Texans? Like, I don't think so. So like, I just like left. I was like, can I just leave these here? And like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, all right, this is dumb. All right. Yeah. I was very, very disappointed when after dinner that night. There were yeah, no, no muffins to no be muffins. had. No muffins. You didn't tell me. We you had didn't purchase of, the we, muffins. We had plenty of olive oil and we had plenty of other, we had like 36 eggs. And I bought a giant bag of like dehydrated mushrooms. Yeah, that are now our dog's treats because you don't like They're them. They're gross. I thought they'd be really good because I'm obsessed with mushrooms. <laughs> and they are not. No. Anyway, we are way off track. Let's yeah. refocus. Ticket to ride. Okay. What? That's t- how you play it. That's and how like, you play and it. I think the game ends whenever um, no one, when one player has run out of train cars right. to place, because everyone starts with 48, the same number. Everyone else, whenever you place, that person places their last car, everyone else has one more turn to do their work the most damage, and then you count up your total victory points. Right. And the, the, I guess the, the other part of the strategy that goes along with it is that no one knows like who has what destination ticket. I mean, you can kind of like connect the dots as you go along. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like Haley's climbing routes all from New York all the way to San Francisco. She's probably going there. Right. Uh, no one knows until at the end of the game. So then all of a sudden everyone lays down their destination tickets. You tally up the victory points. And whoever, obviously whoever has the most wins. Right. right? Bada boom. Bada boom, bada bing. So that's how you play. What do you, when did we learn to play it? When did I learn to play Ticket to Ride? Um, was it here in the states or did we? I'm pretty. My gut is telling me we were here in the states. Um, so didn't okay. A lot I of think these, my a, memory is wrong. A lot but, of these games we played in New Zealand, so like bear with us here. No, I feel like the, I learned to play Ticket to Ride here. I can't remember the first time I played it, but That's I feel course. like did we learn to play Ticket to Ride at? Um, Palooza? No. Um, I forget where we learned to play. But I can talk about one of my favorite times that we've played. Yeah, go for it. Um, we play a friend of ours. I was pregnant? Yeah, I was pregnant. And uh, we took our friends Mike and Steph from Philadelphia. Oh, my God. To the Houston right. Livestock Show and Rodeo. Okay. Largest rodeo in the world. Largest rodeo in the world. And we went into the Livestock Show you know, and they're, they're, people are showing their animals, right? Their cows and their pigs and yeah. whatever. Children. And um, our friend Steph did not enjoy that experience because it's an enclosed building with livestock. <laughs> so you can just imagine the smells. It's tough to enjoy. The, anyway, the, she got honest. sick, had yeah. to leave. So it that's that has nothing to do with the story None. but i love telling that story because it was just really funny because i remember seeing her face when i was like steph come over here and pet this cow and Mm-mm. she just had this look on her face like uh-uh Mm-mm. uh-uh uh-uh and then she like went and puked in a trash can <laughs> so anyway bad. that night we all sat around a folding table that's right the four yeah. of us and we played Wait. ticket to ride yeah and mike and steph are not big board game people like no, at all not at all not that i would know if they are it's news to me probably and they the fir- loved it yeah probably like the farthest thing from like nerdy f- board game people i feel like we played that game multiple times we also played that game I think when my mom was staying with us right after i gave birth we did and your mom liked it my mom liked it yeah she's like oh, that was really really fun i'm like yeah. oh my god yeah board games are awesome <laughs> go figure yeah no um 
Yeah, that's right. I forgot we played that. I can't with remember them. the first time I played though. I can't. I think I we played it in those the fourplex. Times. In the fourplex. Yeah, like whenever I bought it for shoots and loggers, I was like, "Hey, like learn to play this oh, game with me." Oh, that's pr- you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. And you liked it. I did. Oh, my God. I love Ticket to Ride. I yeah. love Ticket to Ride. I, I have very few uh, complaints. I do have one, though. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Hurry, because I love to complain. Okay. Well, you can go first. So get, tell me tell me the bad <laughs> and the good or the good and the bad. Um, so I'll start with the good. The things I love about this game is that it's pretty quick. Multiple people can play. Like, yeah. I think it takes like an hour to play, but it, you it's, need yeah, like four like, people to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Can, I think you can play two. You can definitely play two. I think it the game lasts longer if you play two, right? No, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't, because it's this, the game, the yeah, train quicker. pieces that determine it. Um, things I love about it, I love you know seeing, being a social studies teacher. I love just looking at a map in general of America. So yeah. with like all of the major cities all over it, so that's just fun for me. Uh, and I love that there are other versions of the game that are like. Maps of the world, maps of yeah. other countries, maps of like, of um, like fictional places. Yeah, that's right. They have like, don't they have that. like a Game of Thrones one yeah, or like a Harry su- Potter one? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, it's pretty. Like, that's really cool to me. I love. Um, I would love to buy expansions of, um, you know, different iterations of the game that appeal to me. That sounds fun. Um, I love placing those adorable little train cars it is, it is satisfying it is so satisfying just click just click 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 <coughs> that, excuse me that's great podcasting <coughs> i'm better now uh had to take a sip of wine clear my throat yeah, um cleanse your palate things other things i like i like that you can have you can definitely engage with the game and still have a conversation with the people sitting around the table. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like a drinking game in a way. Like, you can drink and chill and, like, chat while you're still playing the game. Um, I also love that there's, like, strategy to the game. Like, you definitely have to, like, keep an eye on what other people are doing. Right? Like, because you can't talk about it. You can't be, like... Because you're not allowed to ask people what destination cards they have. So you just have to just kind (laughs) of... I mean, you certainly can. You can, gonna but they're not going to answer you. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you have to, like, watch what other people are doing so that you get the cards that or the routes that you want, right? Yeah. Or need. Um, other things I like, um, I love that um, the game is very visual. It's very bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. Um, the pieces are bright and colorful. Um, it's easy to keep track of victory points because you literally can't not. Um, yeah, and if you don't, too bad. You're an idiot. Like, oh, I forgot to move my thing. Well, then you didn't care about your victory points enough. Okay, but that's not fair because I always forget to move. Then you don't care enough about winning. Because <laughs> Jeff did the same thing. Like, Chelsea and I, like, our friends Jeff and Chelsea live overseas, brought it over there to Bahrain. And Jeff, Chelsea, and I were playing this game. And Jeff always forgot to move his friggin' piece. I empathize with Chelsea Jeff. and I were both just like, no, uh-uh. Like, how many was it again? He was like, oh, it was six. It's like, nah, let me see that destination ticket. Oh, it was five. Now, granted, it was like so, an honest mistake. Here's but, a like, fun here's a fun question. In all of your years of gaming, who has been the biggest cheater? Has anyone been like a big cheater? You know, I've never like played with a big cheater. I oh, think. really? Yeah, like there's been a few time, a few shady instances where I thought Jeff was up to something, 
But I mean, like, I just gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I, at the end of the day, had I consulted the rule book, I'm sure he was like, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. Like, and actually, he's a. I will say this, and I'm not saying this just because it's a podcast, and that he. I mean, I don't think he even made it past the first episode, but he is a gentleman to play against, especially Mordheim. Because, like, he and I had just have a general understanding, like, hey, if the rule makes sense, whatever, just go with it. But mm-hmm. anyway. So, uh... But no. So, th- those are the things I love about the game. I have one complaint. Fire it. Let me hear it. The destination cards mm-hmm. and the... What are the, those color cards? What are they called? Mm-hmm. Like, the cards that you exchange... Yeah, the, like rail, the put, rail, railroad cards. The railroad cards. Yeah. They're so fucking small. They're so hard yeah. to. I am a small. I am a teeny tiny little person. Okay. True. I have two. teeny tiny little hands. Geisha hands. Those cards barely fit in my in my hands. They are. So, why are they so fucking small? I don't know. That's Help me question. understand that. They should be just like. Why aren't they the size of regular playing cards? Yeah, like playing card size. I don't know. That's. A good it's question. not like they take up any less. Like, um, two, two, horizontal space, right. vertical two, space, sorry. Is that, is that just like a, a riff, or is that a legitimate question you think I can answer? Well, the, neither of those things, it was, it was neither, but I would love to hear your thoughts. So, one, I think it's like packaging size, just in the way that all the pieces fit, and then two, I certainly think it cuts down on printing cost, because mm. in the board game industry, like... Yeah, that's like more paper, color, right? That's more paper. That's if more. If I've printing learned anything from the office, I have learned that paper is time, and time is money, and money is power, and power is pizza. Yeah. Yeah. What episode is that from? That's from Parks and Recreation. Oh, I thought you said the office. Well, I went from one to the other. Oh. Because I—that's that. how I communicate with you. <sighs> Got to keep up. Got to keep yeah. up. A lot of twists. A lot of twists. A lot of twists. <laughs> All right, so that's your your pros and cons. Yeah, so my con, I mean, really, like that's like my only con is that like the cards are, and I have to tell you, I'm gonna push back on that a little bit because okay. Ticket no. to Ride is possibly Can one I of the it. most popular board games yeah. currently, right? It's yeah. in the modern. I gotta look at board, like I gotta look at board game most games.com, board but... gamers know Ticket to Ride. People who are in the board game, I would culture. say the lay. All right, so the, I'd say the entry-level board game people do, yes. This is definitely. my assumption, right? Like, I don't actually know this. But whenever I go to a board game cafe or whenever I go to a comic book store... Yes, no, you're right. You're going to find Ticket to Ride. It's Correct. pretty easy It's pretty easy to find, right? Yeah. It's not like a hard game to get a hold of. Um, like, you could probably go to Walmart and get it right no, now. They, and they have it at, at Target. Yeah, exactly. So why the hell are the i'm like you were like oh the cost of the cards it's so expensive to make the cards a regular size the game is so big i don't understand like why they're trying to cut costs by having teeny tiny ass little cards this is money so it's it's published by i, I believe and uh, correct me if i'm uh, i don't know i can't I'll get, have to get our fact checker <laughs> fact checker frank, frank to see if frank can, the fact checker yeah if you can see this but like I th- believe it's published by Rio Grande Games, which is also the same publisher of Dominion, believe it or not. Oh. But See, they can make regular size. Yeah, but I may be wrong on that. Regardless, it's all about money. Like, who cares? 
to, I to can't. The, I know to them, like eh, who oh, cares? to them, right? Because you know maybe I mean? nobody's complained. Yeah, enough. people are still going to buy it. It's such a good game that maybe, like it does the the adjustments like that don't need to be made at the expense of money. And maybe like my complaint about the cards being tiny, or like what the reason other people like it because they're like, oh, look how cute and tiny those little cards are. Yeah, it's like my little doll can play yeah, Dominion. Look, look at these cards. My little doll. Yeah, they're like literally doll sized cards. That is true. Yeah. So. So that's your good and bad. That's my good and my bad, yeah. But I love Dominion. Overall, Dominion. Oh, I Freudian slip, guys. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Yeah, sorry, Ticket to Ride. We still love you. No, I love Ticket to Ride. Okay. I I really quite enjoy Ticket to Ride. Like, it's easy to learn. It's easy to get into. Yeah. Um, like, there's not a lot of... Chutzpah. There's, that's used incorrectly. There's not a lot of um, extra rules or yeah. ins and outs. What about you, Bill? Ooh, how much time you got, sister? All right, so uh, I, I like... Well, we've been talking for 25 yeah, minutes, so you have about, you have right. about so five minutes. I, all right, so I, I like it for the same reasons you do, essentially. It's aesthetically pleasing to look at, just in terms of like, hey, it's like a giant map, right? Maps are awesome, yeah. at least to me. It's very gratifying placing those ra those routes. Be like, mm. especially like when you really stick it to someone, and you're like, oh, you were trying to go to this city. I don't think so. Like, <laughs> you know, and you slam down. You just look at their face, and they're like, oh. Um, but I mean, pretty much the same reasons that you like it. I think that it is the number one thing that I would have to say I do enjoy about it, though. Is the fact that like I could teach it to my family and they would love it, right? Yeah, because it has a lot of, for a similar reason that I don't like it is that it has a lot of similarities to conventional board games. The the like story the story of the game is one that pretty much everybody can buy into. Yeah, exactly. Right, Every, because everyone who doesn't like trains, <laughs> everyone likes cereal and trains, like everyone... Mike Riley does. <laughs> He doesn't listen to this. I know. No, but like everyone has, like, if you're an American, if you're an American, okay, you're dug in. You're dug in, all right. You're you're not gonna change, and we know that you like America, and we know that you like trains. Okay? Exactly. And so we're gonna make a game about America and trains. I would be interested to see the number of people who love Ticket to Ride and also have model trains, but I don't think there's any funding for that. Also, I think the that correlation is a correlation at best. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, but I think that's why people like the game is that the, the story is relatable, right? Like yeah. the uh, like if you've taken any American history classes ever, right? Like Westward Expansion is like Manifest Destiny. Manifest Destiny. Yellow journalism. Is all about like building a the you know the railroads yeah. out west right Louisiana like purchase oh trail of tears california gold rush yeah trail of tears uh you want to keep naming american time periods susquehanna what <laughs> i'm just naming like rivers oh ooh, the oh what's the lewis what, clark no <laughs> what's the name of the river that you were like Potomac. The Potomac. And you swore your, to your mom someone, up and down. Yeah, someone said... How old were you? Someone said Potomac around you, me like two or three days ago. And I was just like, ugh. No, you were in like in seventh... Six, I was in sixth grade. You were in sixth or seventh grade. And you wrote a paper about the Potomac the, River. No, about, about the White House. All right. <laughs> Let's... We're getting off track here. 
I want to hear. I want to hear. But anyway, like you went to like read the your your My wonderful little, little paper, paper to your mother and your mother who was like accepted into Harvard. No, it was in front of like this whole audience because I won the <gasps> award, so I had to read it in front of everyone. No, but I, I thought like, you read it to your mom ahead of time, and your mom no. was like, "Honey, it's pronounced." No, 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 no. They didn't get that opportunity. Oh no. no. Yeah, it was terrible. All right, so <laughs> anyway, moving on. Dang right. it, I love that story. In the interest of murder. So we, uh, so I can't pronounce Potomac, and we, uh, on to the things we I love don't trains. like. Yeah, and I love trains. Who doesn't? So the things I don't like about it is because, because it's so similar to those games, like Monopoly and Candyland and stuff like that, True. like moving a piece around. It sound, like I sound so snobby when I say this, like, almost like too simple it's a very simple game you know like i just kind of i don't really like get a whole lot of unless like i'm screwing over thrill. jeff <laughs> like i don't get a whole lot of thrill out of it there's not a whole lot of thinking which you know pros and cons That's to true. it because like i can also like engage with people like this is a great game to play with, with friends family. who have with family yeah absolutely yeah. like they haven't seen in a long time or, or even if you see them all the time um because you can have a good conversation around it um it's, it's a good a, way to get people off their phones yeah exactly oh well, i mean no i mean you can still kind of be on your phone and play this that's kind of my gripe about the, it like you don't have to be engaged all the time because like people will be like thinking you know and it's just like yeah like, that's eh. true just like monopoly kind but of i mean like, like if we were eh. going to play with our kids yes. 10 years from now oh no absolutely and this is a fantastic game to play with families yeah. like five like you know five-year-old i would five-year-old up like this it's is not dark. Awesome... No, not There's at all. There's no it's very light. death or murder, unlike our next segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's very. I mean, it's very easy to teach people too. Like the pages are, I think, just like front and back one page, or mm -hmm. one sheet of paper. So it's very accessible, very easy to teach. And like I said, like it is the one of two like gateway games. Like if you're gonna get someone to grab a hold and get into playing more difficult board games, this is like the gateway game to play because there's just a few different nuances and strategies that you can use that anyone can wrap their head around yeah. and really kind of get behind. Like, oh, like, okay, I have my secret agenda. Everyone else does. I can actually, by watching and being observative. 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 <laughs> observative. <laughs> by observing other players, like, I can actually look and kind of screw people and it is kind of gratifying right um and i think the game's actually only like 25 bucks or something like that yeah so it's very very cheap you can get it from amazon walmart like i, I will say like walmart and target both like carry this game mm -hmm. it's fantastic um yeah it's a great game yeah great game overall but you know what the fact that we've only been talking about it for like 25 minutes like tells us like it is a simple game, mm -hmm. right? And like, we kind of don't have anything else to say about it. It's a great game. It's real simple. I feel like easy to, to engage with. I am. I sure <laughs> am. But what else do you have to say about it? Like, yeah. what else is there to say about? It do, it does take up a lot. It's like a conventional board. Oh game. yes, it takes it up a does. lot of space. It does take up a lot. I of think space. like the board itself by itself is um, twenty four by thirty inches or something like that, or basically like more, just a little bit more than, or twenty four by thirty six, two foot by three foot. It's yeah. kind of big, but I mean, if table space isn't a consideration, then have at it. Yeah, I and mean, you, and you can still drink your face off. You sure can and, and play this game. I don't know any games that you can't drink your face off. Are you kidding me, Necromunda? We do. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's we don't drink our faces off anymore anyway. Anyway, yeah, 
but you know, once upon a time. Right. So anyway, that's Ticket to Ride. Yeah. So Let's what game go. are we going to talk about next time, Bill? What do you well, think? Well, all right. So I want to have an interlude with you. I know you're eager to get to your murder, um, but real quick. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. So real quick. You see that? I. Yeah, I see a box. Oh, so yeah. today at about 5.30, yeah. I got a notification on my phone that mm. said Amazon had delivered yeah. a package yeah. and uh, Bill's been waiting. Mm. He asked very nicely. Bill got a new game and I got new tires. Mm. So that exchange doesn't quite seem fair. But uh, he purchased something called the Cursed City. Or is it Cursed City? Is there right. an accent on that? Warhammer Quest Cursed Cursed City. Cursed City. Yes. Her heroic quests. Tell them the how much this game city costs. Bill. Of Ulfenkarn. Tell them. I will not. You know why? Tell them how much this game I, get costs. I bought this game because I worked my booty off well, in a statement of work, making X amount of money. It was essentially overtime, on top of being a, a father, on top of being a husband, on top of grad school, on top of a full time job. So you know what? I was like, hey, like, wham, can I treat myself? Wham. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, can I treat my and like <laughs> no. I did ask you, I was like, hey, like, can I just like buy this like can i treat myself like i have the statement of work money and you're like fine yeah you, you were like yes. i just couldn't believe you wanted to spend yes two hundred dollars this is a this is a limited edition limited run game and yes like the models are amazing anyway so i got that in the background that's going to be probably season two but the big inter interlude question i want to ask you more time what war band are you going to play flying nuns Fighting nuns. Flying. They don't fly? No, no, no. They fight. They fight. Okay. Fighting nuns. Okay. Deal. Shake on it. Oh. oh. A all gentleman's right. agreement. Fair. Right. What, what would you call this handshake? We do this all the time where we grab each other's forearms. You son you can, of a bitch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm in. Because <laughs> I've, got, I've got python forearms and yeah. so does Bill. No, I have twigs. For men, but it's okay. That's not true. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I have, I have, I can. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I have pretty intense forearms. I remember when I used to do rock climbing, and uh, and I was like all I like never used my legs. I would just like use my arms to scale. And, and you're like you're I, doing it wrong. You're supposed to use your legs. Like fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. But it's then I would, I'd get down and the muscle like at the base of my forearm would just be like out here. Yeah, I wonder why. It was crazy. My buddy Johnny Kreish. I remember our friend Kevin used to always make fun of my forearms because he would be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Cracking a walnut? Yeah. <laughs> so those are the, all right. So you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. She's going for the Sisters of Sigmar, the warrior nuns, essentially warrior priestesses in Mordheim. We're going to kick ass but be modest while doing it. Okay. Did, Fair enough. Are they not modest? They're nuns. Yeah, they're kind of modest. What? No, I mean there, there's no cleavage or anything. Like oh, that. okay. But there's ankles. Yeah. There's yeah. Ankles. That's they're fair. like by Presbyterian standards, like yeah, they're, they're, they're sluts. whores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so that's ankles the... and wrists. And, whoo, Woo! Sweating. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the our, our game segment. Ran a little over. That's okay. About We're that. fine. Yeah. We're doing okay. All right. Um, so we still haven't talked about what game we're going to do next time. Do we know? Ah, uh, shrimp. Uh, do we want to do the pandemic special? The pandemic. Oh, just pandemic. Yeah. I was like, the pandemic, pandemic special. Thank you for the pandemic special. Yeah, let's do pandemic. Okay. That'll be really fun. Because that game, 
<clears throat> is a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Uh, but was it, it like took me a minute to like get it, but then as soon as it clicked, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, this game's fun." Yeah. Didn't we start playing it like during the pandemic? No, I thought we started playing like right before the lockdown. No, we played it after we played lockdown. it. We played it after lockdown. Okay. Yeah. Because like we were even like emailed our pastor and we we're like, uh, "LOL, we're playing, <laughs> we're, playing, we're playing pandemic. People in are quarantine. dying. LOL, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We're, we're just gonna laugh cubes. off." Laugh off the horrible things that are happening. Ha uh-huh. ha. Which we are fully protected now. Okay. <laughs> anyway, on to our murder. murder. Oh. <laughs> okay. So we're going to be talking about the Candyman, Dean Coral. Dean Coral. Wait. Oh, I thought his name was Dean Coral Dean. No, first. it's just Dean Coral. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to preface, before I start telling you this story, I'm going to preface it by saying... The Candyman. I, I, I know quite a bit about this case um, because I started reading... You saw me start reading a book. Yeah. Um, the name of the book was The Man with the Candy, The Story of the Houston Mass Murders. Um, I kind of had resigned myself to the idea that I was never going to tell this story because do you remember when I started reading the book and then I got about mm, a quarter of the way through Yeah. and then I was like, I don't think I can, our son was like six months old at the time. And I was like, I don't think I can finish this. It's so awful. Yeah. And you were like, then stop reading it. You goober. And, and I did because I could not handle the intensity. So, but, so here's the premise. Don't okay? let that discourage you, listener. Yeah. So basically this is a story about a serial killer who killed 13, or excuse me, he killed 28. He's estimated, right? There could have been more. At least 28 confirmed murders of young boys between the ages of 13 to 20. So young boys and young men. So um, it's not great. (laughs) It's a pretty intense story. Bill's raising his hand with questions already. Yes, Bill. Does that mean the husband didn't do it? There is no husband in this story. So, but there is a twist. Oh. There is a twist. So, um... I'm going to start telling this story on the night that basically the whole world found out about Dean Coral. Okay. Okay. Dean Coral Dean or Dean Coral? I was just repeating his name. His okay. name is just Dean Coral. Dean Coral. Okay. okay. So uh, on August 8th, 1973 in Pasadena, Texas, which okay. is like where we live. Yeah. Um, Elmer Wayne Henley. Okay. Elmer Wayne Henley shot and killed Dean Coral. Nice. Okay. Okay. I like I like how this is going because you're starting at the end and working your way back. Pretty much. So, because this is how the world found out. All right. So, Elmer Wayne Henley, who is 17 at the time. Oh. Yeah. Shoots and kills Dean Coral. Right? right, and he calls the police. The police show the, like there's a nine one one call of him saying that he killed Dean Coral. So 
just before I actually go any further, a lot of this is pulled from my memory of reading that book. Yeah. And articles that I've read today from like Texas Monthly and <clears throat> Wikipedia. <clears throat> but um, based on the fact that I've read the book, I can read Wikipedia and know that it's actually factual. Was because that, Was that a the, cough or was that? No, it was a, a, a reference oh, to the fact right. that Wikipedia is not great. Okay. But because I read this book, the book was published back in like the late 70s. So kind of like fresh on everyone's mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so the cops show up, uh, Elmer Wayne Henley calls the police himself and they get there and he's like, I had to kill him because he was going to rape me and my friend and kill me, my friend and his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to read to you what happened that got Dean Coral killed. Okay. Yeah. So, on the evening of August 7th, 1973, mm -hmm. <clears throat> sorry, yeah, August 7th, 1973, um, Henley, Elmer Wayne Henley, he was 17 at the time, invited a 19-year-old named Timothy Cordell Curley uh, to attend a party at Dean Coral's Pasadena residence, okay? Um, Curley was a casual acquaintance of Coral who was intended to be his next victim because as it will come to find as we will come to find out Dean Coral has Elmer Wayne Henley and um, another accomplice named David Owen Brooks who were both very young boys that he used to lure young men to his house so that he could rape torture and kill them hmm. yeah so um and there was a girl with them too Classic honeypot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. So, uh, so anyway, Brooks, who was the other accomplice, he wasn't present at the time. So two youths arrived at Coral's house where they sniffed paint fumes and drank, alco drank alcohol until midnight. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's when the party started on August 7th. On August 8th, like after midnight, that's when Dean mm. is murdered. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so they leave at midnight to go get sandwiches, all right, uh, Henley and Curly, um, Elmer Wayne Henley and uh, Timothy yep. Curly. At which time, after they get the sandwiches, they drive out to the Houston Heights, which back in the 1970s, the Houston Heights was a working class kind of lower income yeah. Um, area of Houston. Now it's possibly and arguably one of the richest areas of Houston. It's like Austin. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, but so they go to the Houston Heights um, and they park really close to Henley's house um, and they go and pick up a 15 year old girl named Rhonda Louise Williams. And um, they bring Rhonda Louise Williams. They put her in the car because she has, like, a fight with her dad, right? So there's these two boys and Rhonda in this car, and they drive back to um, Coral's residence back in Pasadena, okay? okay? Because she doesn't want to – she had a fight with her dad. She doesn't want to stay there that night. So at approximately 3 a.m., all three, Henley, Curly, and Williams, the girl, they all arrived back to Dean Coral's house. Coral was absolutely furious that Henley brought a girl mm. with him to the house. 
okay, telling him in private that he had ruined, quote, ruined everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Henley explained that Williams uh, had had an argument with her father that evening and didn't want to go home. So Coral was like, whatever, it's fine. Um, things are cool. So they all start drinking again and smoking pot. Um, and everything seems pretty cool. And Henley and Curly are smoking, or excuse me, sniffing paint fumes. Yes. Uh, and Coral watched them very closely. So after mm-hmm. about two hours, all three of the teenagers pass out. Okay. So... Here's where it gets interesting. Henley awoke to find himself lying upon his stomach and Coral snapping handcuffs onto his wrists. No. No. Yeah. His mouth had been taped shut and his ankles had been bound together. Curly and Williams lay beside Henley, securely bound with nylon rope, gagged with adhesive tape, and lying face down on the floor. Curly had been stripped naked. The girl was fully clothed because coral had no interest in her Mm. noting henley had awoken coral removed the gag from his mouth henley protested in vain against coral's actions whereupon coral reiterated that he was angry with henry for bringing a girl to his house and that he was going to kill all three teenagers after he assaulted and tortured curly the Mm. friend he had brought initially stating quote man you really blew it bringing that girl Before shouting, quote, I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. Hmm. Yeah. He then repeatedly kicked Williams in the chest before lifting Henley to his feet, dragging him to the kitchen and placing a 22 caliber pistol against his stomach, threatening to shoot him. <clears throat> Henley calmed Coral, promising to participate in the torture and murder of both Williams and Curly if Coral released him. So he's like sweet talking him, I guess. I mean, he had already helped him commit lots of murders before this, so why why wouldn't he believe him? After approximately 30 minutes of discussion, Coral agreed and untied Henley, then carried Curly and Williams into his bedroom and tied them to opposite sides of his torture board. He and you, yeah. yeah, if you actually Google Dean Coral, that's probably one of the first pictures you'll see is the sheriff's standing next to this torture board he had that he would tie his victims to. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so... So anyway, so he tied them to the, these torture boards, uh, Curly on his stomach and Williams on her back. Uh, Coral then handed Henley a hunting knife and ordered him to cut away Williams' clothes, which is the girl. Mm. Insisting that uh, he would rape and kill Curly, Henley would do the likewise to Williams, the girl. Henley began cutting away Williams' clothes as Coral undressed and began to assault and torture Curly. Uh, both Curly and Williams had awakened by this point. Curly began writhing and shouting as Williams, whose gag Henley had removed, lifted her head and asked uh, Henley, is this for real? To which he answered, yes. Williams then asked Henley, the girl, Williams is the girl, are you going to do anything about it? Henley then asked Coral whether he might take Williams into another room. Uh, Coral ignored him and Henley grabbed Coral's pistol, shouting, you've gone far enough, Dean. As, Cor- uh, as Coral clamored off Curly, Henley elaborated, I can't go on any longer. I can't have you kill all my friends. Coral approached Henley saying, kill me, Wayne, like challenging him. Mm. Like he wouldn't do it. <clears throat> I mean, this is a man that had been grooming this guy since he was probably 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. Henley stepped back a few paces as Coral continued to advance upon him shouting, you won't do it. 
Henley then fired at Coral, hitting him in the forehead. The bullet failed to fully penetrate uh, Coral's skull, and he continued to lurch toward Henley, whereupon the youth fired another two rounds, hitting Coral in the left shoulder. Coral then ran out of the room, hitting the wall uh, of the hallway. Henley fired an additional three bullets into his lower back, as nice. yeah, and shoulder as Coral slid down the uh, slid down the wall in the hallway outside the room, where the other two teenagers were bound. Coral died where he, as he fell, like where he fell, his naked body lying face uh, his naked body lying face toward the wall. Uh, Henley would later recall that having sh- shot Coral, the sole thought in his mind in the moments immediately thereafter was that Coral would have been proud of the way he had behaved during the confrontation, adding that he had been training him to react quickly and forcefully, and that this was exactly what he would have done. So, <clears throat> so at 8.24 that morning, Henley actually calls the Pasadena Police Department and calls the cops on himself. And so what ends up happening after this is like a freaking media circus, right? So the cops come and Elmer Wayne Henley is like, I killed this man, but only because he was about to kill me and my friends. And I'd had enough because I have been helping this man for the past, however many years, like, lure young boys to him so that he can abduct rape and torture them and then Mm. murder them and so what ends up happening is that henley leads the police to a boat shed out in houston somewhere where there are like 17 bodies buried there that's where he would kill and bury these these young boys and um it ends up being you know, at least 28, but there could have been more. And so Elmer Wayne, there's another accomplice, but the reason that he even got caught that was because Elmer Wayne Henley decided to, that he had had enough. Right. And one of the questions that like everybody keeps asking throughout the whole thing is like, how the hell did 28 boys go missing? And nobody, like nobody was doing anything about it because the cops at the time were like, they literally weren't even looking for these boys. Oh. Yeah. The, the Houston police department was never looking for any of these boys because they, because they were all from the Heights, which is a working class area. And so they all classified them as runaways. Mm. Yeah. So the cops were like, Oh, they'll be back. They'll be back. And it, and it was, what was even more like what, what got me to stop reading the book that I was reading were the stories of these mothers who were desperate, who were like, my child would not just get up and leave. Like, yeah, we're poor. Yeah. Like we have alcoholism in our family. Like, yeah, we have problems, but my 13 year old son would not just get up and like hitchhike down to Galveston and, or Beaumont and never talk to me again. Mm. You know, and so these mothers were like desperate to get help. Uh, but what ends up happening is like Dean Coral is just collecting and murdering, you know, 30 children. Ugh. I mean, and young men and totally getting away with it. You know, so so uh, Elmer Wayne Henley 
and um, David Owen Brooks, who was the other accomplice. Curly. No. The... No. No, no, no. Curly was just the friend. He was going to be another victim, but it, that yeah. did, that's not what happened. I mean, he was a victim, right? He was totally a victim, but he wasn't murdered. Um, so, um, and what's really sad to me about this story is that Elmer Wayne Henley and David Owen, who were both um, accomplices, they both were, they're both serving life sentences, right? Uh, David Owen Brooks um, had been groomed by Dean Coral since he was 12 years old. Like, Dean Coral was performing sexual acts on this little boy when he was 12 years old. And, yeah, and so he, it was like the only life he knew, right? So Dean Coral knew exactly what kind of, like, and, and they were, these young men are being punished in a way that, I don't know, like, it just, like, it doesn't feel right in a way to me, right? Like, yeah, it's like they, they, Elmer Wayne Henley and David Owen Brooks basically are serving the rest of their lives in prison, which they, like, kind of should, but, like, I don't know, like, there's a piece missing, right? Like, and I forgot to mention, David Owen Brooks actually died last year of COVID-19 um, oh, wow. complications. Yeah. Uh, he was, like, 65. Um, but I don't know. There's just, like, something to me that's really missing. By the way, one of the reasons, not one of the reasons, the reason that Dean Coral, the serial killer, is called the Candyman was because he and his family had a candy factory in the Heights and he was known for passing out free candy to young boys in the neighborhood. Mm. And they, he was also called the Pied Piper, which also, you know, it's like you're luring candy with candy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that is the, that's, I left so much out because I don't think you can handle, I can barely handle <laughs> any more than that. But, um, yeah, so it was at least 28 teenage boys and young men between 1970 and 1973. Like, can you believe that? Ugh. Almost 30 murders between in three years, and the cops were doing, like, nothing. And this wasn't, like, in the early 1900s. This was, like, you know, 19 years before we were born. Ugh. You know? So it's not like it's... I don't know. Like, to me, it's like a, the, something's wrong, right? Like, the the story doesn't quite connect for me. So what are you thinking, Bill? The Candyman can. I gotta take it like a spiritual shit after that. <laughs> I... You mean a, like a spiritual cleanse? Oh. But, I mean, it is kind of good that, I mean, he couldn't hurt anyone else. Okay. Right? Like, like Elmer Wayne Henley. In fact, so, I don't, you never watched it because, like, you're not a big TV dude, but I'm, like, a huge TV dude. But they're on Mindhunter on Netflix. Do you remember when I watched that show? Mm. So, on Netflix, there's this great show, and I wish they would make a thousand seasons called Mindhunter, and um, in the show, it's like basically the story of how the CIA started their behavioral crimes like research unit. 
Like basically like how can we create psychological profiles on people who commit crimes so that we can more easily find them, right? Yeah. And so they actually start going out and like interviewing and talking to serial killers. They don't even have, they haven't even coined the term serial killer at that point or even at this point in 1973. Okay. But um, they go out and they start interviewing these serial killers so that they can basically create like profiles yeah, on like on. yeah on yeah. on these people so that they can find future killers more easily and at a certain point in the show um they they bring this up that um like elmer wayne like they go to interview elmer wayne henley oh. yeah they don't and it what's really crazy is that like in the show itself it's it doesn't do a good job of telling the story at all of this particular crime because sure. all they do is go and they talk to Elmer Wayne and he's like, I'm not a queer, I'm not gay. Like all he, like to me, like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going like, yeah, you're a victim. Like he's just been this victim right. for the past however many years, like when he met Dean. And, and like, and I remember when I was reading in the book, that Elmer Wayne Henley was still like living with his parents at the time. And like when, wow. Yeah. That's like he impressive. was still living with his family and, and Why you not know your son's like out huffing paint and like, if you're working two jobs and yeah, no, that's maybe you're an alcoholic and yeah, things sure. are unclear. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could happen, but like, um, that, but that's what predators do. They go and they find young boys that are susceptible and yeah. they groom them to, to, to bend to their will like that. Right. And yeah. so like, <laughs> I, but anyway, Mindhunter is a great show. Everybody should watch it. If you like true crime, um, because there's literally like the whole thing is like, it's pretty much based around a true story. I think there's like, um, bends, you know, they, Artistic license. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. And, uh, but this story, what I, I think what makes this story so appealing is that there was like, there's so much mystery around Dean Coral himself, right? There's more, we know more now, like he was in the military for like 10 months. Yeah. He got, he, he got an honorable discharge for 10 months of military service. Like what? Um, I mean, granted, I've had no military service, but um, I'm not also not a serial killer. So, <laughs> but there's like, there's, he kind of like flew under the radar for ever. Like, there's not a lot we know about him. There's very few pictures yeah. of him that you can find. Um, but like, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible that he was able to be this prolific in such a short amount of time, like, and I don't know, like it's, to me, it's like such a, it's, it's like out of a science fiction novel in a way. It's like, how was someone that successful in murdering young children and getting away with it, and getting away with it right? Like 28, yeah. right? And so like, to me, like, I think back on that and I'm like, okay, there's, there was, to me, it's, it's like more of a commentary on like the brokenness of our, like the Houston police department, maybe not now, but back then. Right. And like, and like also like our understanding of like victim, like grooming, 
you know, like they shouldn't, I don't know, like I, maybe they should spend the rest. I mean, of course, one of them has already died, but like, does Henley really deserve to spend the rest of his life in prison for, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I think I never want to think about this again. Um, I promise. I, I knew I was, I thought I wasn't going to tell this story, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell it in a way that's a little bit less graphic. Yeah. But I made it kind of graphic. Well, I mean, Oh, but it's so like, if you, if you, if you have a, a, if you have a delicate constitution, don't just don't Google it because yeah, the picture, there's pictures of the like torture board. Like when the sheriff showed up to his Pasadena yeah, residence. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, it's uh, not. All right, so likening back to my metaphor of like these murders are like a cheap margarita. That one was like. That one was like. Medicine. Taka, taka vodka. Taka. Yeah, T A A K A or whatever. It's like five dollars for like a gallon of the shit. Oh, that sounds about right. No, yeah, that was fucking. It's awful. it's awful, but you know what? I fe- I feel like Thank I would you be for remiss. I feel like I would be remiss if I like didn't do this story because it's such a local like it's so nationally well known that you know it would be like kind of ridiculous if I didn't. And also, um, I I mean, I what I would really like to do, and if you're okay with it, I'd like to very quickly say the names of the victims. Just because, like, we so focus on, like, the murderers. Is it okay if I just really, if I say the names of the victims really quick? I don't care. You should. Okay, I'm going to do it. Let me say this again. Jeffrey Conan, 18. Danny Yates, 14. James Glass, 14. Jerry Waldrop, 13. And his brother, Donald Waldrop, 15. Randall Harvey, 15. David Hilgeist, 13. Gregory Malley Winkle, 16. Reuben Watson, 17. Willard Rusty Branch, Jr., 17. Frank Aguirre, 18. Mark Scott, 17. Johnny DeLone, 16. Billy Baluch, 17. Stephen Sickman, 17. Wally J. Simino, 14. Richard Hembry, 13. Richard Kempner, 19. Joseph Lyles, 17. Billy Ray Lawrence, 15. Ray Blackburn, 20. Homer Garcia, 15. John Sellers, 17. Michael Tony Baluch, 15. Marty Jones, 18. Charles Carey Cobble, 17. James Dramala, 13. And they all died by strangulation or shooting. So, anyway, that's the. Well, I mean, I don't know. But anyway, that's um, those are the victims of the Candyman, Dean Coral, and um, Elmer Wayne Henley, and the other accomplice, who, like I said, died recently, David Owen Brooks. Can I have another murder? Can I have a murder next time where it's like the husband did it? Because this is terrible. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do a husband did it oh one next time. Finally. I'll do an easy. Give me a layup. Uh, a we layup? Just, I did a layup like board game with you. Take it to ride. That's, That's why I had to balance it. I had to balance it out. Balance it. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. Woo! 
all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Bored to Death. Uh, See you next week.